In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. Ah, yes. Thank you so much for listening. It's good to be with you, Drew Doherty. And we've got quite the setup today. But before I get into the setup, please, can you do me a favor? Can you go and subscribe to this podcast? Make sure you're getting it on a weekly basis, which is Wednesday. Comes out around midday, so uh, you can listen to it on your drive home on Wednesdays. Do that. Subscribe. Shoot me a t- uh, tweet. I almost said text, but shoot me a tweet. Tell me, hey, I like this, and hey, I want to hear this, and hey, what about that? It's at Doherty Drew. Rate and review it as well. That'd be super if you did all those things. But today on the show, like we always do, I'm going to huddle with my good pal, John Harris. We've got to do a what if I told you. Plus, we're going to pick our cream of the crop award winners for the week to come. And we've got an extra bonus Twitter question of the day, and it involves onions. Just trust me and stick with me. That'll be fun. Then later after him, I go off the beaten path with Noah Brown. Perfect guy to talk to in light of what he's been doing the last month as a whole, but especially the last two weeks. He's the only Texans receiver in the history of the franchise, not named Andre or DeAndre, and that's Johnson and Hopkins. Not those two guys, but he's he's the third to have ever had consecutive 100-yard receiving performances. But we hear about his French Bulldog and some other things, and it's a fun conversation. And then we wrap things up with Cameron Cox. He's a sports anchor out in Phoenix, Arizona. He does the weekly shows for the Cardinals, and he's also from Atascacita, from the Houston area. So he was a day one season ticket holder, loves the Texans, knows the Cardinals really well also. So he's the perfect guy to talk to, and we will get into that with him. But for now, we got to talk with John Harris on our classic In the Lab. Here we go. John, you doing all right? Doing okay, Drew. Doing okay, man. How are you doing? I'm super, dude. I just laid out kind of the groundwork, the framework, the table of contents for this entire this entire podcast. Because after you, like we said, we got Noah. And then after Noah, it's Cameron Cox from Phoenix. He's going to talk a little Cardinals. But here's the framework for you and me. What you, I know. But hold on. Before we get into the framework, you just pointed at yourself when I said Cameron Cox. Yeah, Cameron Cox. You know uh, where he used to intern? I do. With Thank you. you very much. 1560 yeah. the game where you got your yep. radio start really yeah i saw him at the combine and uh he came up to me uh like a long lost friend and, and i mean i'd like to be friendly you know that and he's like john cameron cox i used to intern at 1560 and then it like waited oh my god so yeah he's doing yeah. a great job in phoenix man really proud of him so really really cool so yeah we had some interns stoots was one of our interns over 1560 cameron cox <laughs> So yeah, we did uh, we did uh, some a pretty good job getting guys ready for the sports world. I think. Yeah, Cameron had fun talking with him. Uh, Cody Stutz is the guest or one of the guests with. Uh, he's going to be with Brandon Scott and me on Texans Extra Points this week. So it's, nice. it's a lot of fun. Yeah, we've got all sorts of representation. But here we go. You and I are hitting these topics. We're going to do Whitey, which is what if I told you? Yeah. So what if I told you we're going to have a cream of the cropper for. This game coming up, we're going to do a Twitter question of the day, which has kind of fallen by the wayside lately, but we're bringing it back. Yep. And uh, yeah, we're just going to have a fun old time. So, John, what if I told you Sunday morning before kickoff that I'd looked into a crystal ball and I saw what was going to happen? What if I told you these things? 
John, Texans defense is going to, well, Texans are going to kick off and the defense on the first drive is going to give up a 10 play 75 yard possession that results in a touchdown pass from Joe Burrow. What if I told you Burrow on the day was going to go 27 of 40 for 347 yards and two touchdowns total? What if I said, and what if I told you the Texans were going to have or allow two different 100-yard receivers from the Bengals? What if I told you that the Texans' offense was going to go 4 of 13 on third down? And maybe the biggest thing of all, John, what if I told you the Texans were going to turn the ball over three times? Three, John. If I told you all those things, you think they're leaving Cincinnati with a win? <laughs> what if I told you, Drew, let's, let me flip this. What if I told you Noah Brown would go for another 150-plus yard game, becoming the third receiver? in Texas history to do that in back-to-back games, DeAndre Hopkins and Andre Johnson, the others. Okay. Mm -hmm. What if I told you that motor was going to average five yards a carry on 30 carries other than math, that's 150 rushing yards. And what if I told you that CJ, the only sack he would take would be for zero yards. So I don't even know how that call qualifies for a sack and they would only give up four quarterback hits on him. And there would only be one tackle for a loss for the Bengals. And Matt Amendola would make all of his field goals and extra points. What would you have told me? I'm going to answer a whitey with the whitey. And Sheldon Rankins would bust fools up and get three sacks. I mean, they they punished Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow got his, but Joe Burrow, Burrow got some from the Texans. My goodness, they got after him. I mean, it seems like he was enveloped about yep. five or six different times on Sunday. Yep, absolutely. And you talk about Sheldon Rankins. It's funny. I just saw a tweet a little while ago um, from John Grenard, and he just had a bunch of emojis, like the, I guess the, you know, this one, um, and then some crying, laughing emojis. He said, and I quote, this the rank I seen when I first got to the Ville and said, yeah, he going first round. Sheldon Rankins uh, graded out one of the best in the league, second in the NFL, really PFF whatever he had nine pressures he was all over the place and he had three sacks I mean he had another couple that could have been sacks there was one I think he ended up kind of grabbing on a burrow and then Malik helped him and it were like a half yard beyond the the line of scrimmage so you don't get a sack so Sean Rankins to me um after not playing a couple weeks I mean and not having Ridgeway I worried about that a little bit but the way that he and Malik Collins went against Cordell Volson Ted Karras and Alex Kappa I mean, it was a it was a beatdown. It was well, you, down. and you heard you heard that interview I did with Sheldon in the the locker room afterwards, and he said, you know, I, I've seen Kappa before, and I know what yeah. to do against Kappa. They they battled over the years, and he also said this front versus their offensive front was very it's a very advantageous matchup for the Texans. Yep, and yeah, it, it all came together and. You know, another time, one to sack, didn't bring Burrow to the ground, but as Burrow was releasing the ball, Sheldon was in his face, and Burrow yep. got picked off in the end zone right there yep. um, by Certainly. you and me in the fourth quarter. That was fun. Just a fun, fun game. It, it's always fun. I've always had fun in Cincinnati. It's only been yeah. awesome. It really yeah. has only been awesome. 9 11, 15, 17, and now in 23. 
just so much fun when we go there because they've the Bengals are always prohibitive favorites. There's always something kind of big working against the Texans to a degree. You know, this time there were so many guys on the injured reserve. I mean, 17, it was Deshaun Watson's first start. 15, you were going in there and they were undefeated. Texans were just three and five. 11, you have TJ Yates. 09, they were, people don't remember that one because it was so long ago, but yeah. Texans, I think, were coming off of like a loss and they were under 500 and Bengals were a few games above it. It was earlier in the season, but just so much fun to go to Cincinnati. And I also get to see my good buddy, Brian Giesenslaw. So yes. let's close that book on the Bengals. Let's look ahead to the Cardinals. Not a typical two and eight team because they got a, you know, an injection of life back into them with Texas high school legend, Kyler Murray, maybe the greatest high school player in the history of the state. He yeah. certainly, he certainly has the argument, but he's back. They look pretty good against the Falcons who are having their troubles and their struggles. So with all that in mind, your cream of the cropper on Monday morning or Sunday afternoon after the game is over, you think it's going to be who? The cream of the crop. Well, and we can't, we can't choose CJ Stroud. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm going to give you one that the last few weeks uh, have been interesting. I'll put it that way. But I feel like he's going to play a massive role in this game because of the man you just mentioned, Kyler Murray. And that's going to be Christian Harris. Mm. Now, the expectation level for Christian going into the season was sky high. Mm -hmm. Sky high. I think everybody, you know, D'Amico Ryans is, you know, from a linebacker. We know the story about D'Amico. Oh, yeah, Christian Harris is going to be that guy. And, and I think early on, Christian struggled with some things. But I feel like the last couple of weeks, he started to work some of those things out. And Frisky, man. It, he has been frisky. Yeah, and, and I felt like there were some things, you know, there was uh, there was a third down play where he was in coverage on Tanner Hudson, man-to-man, -man, and Hudson had been killing us, and he ran with him all the way, forced the incompletion out of bounds. He was just around the football. He tangled with Joe Mixon one time over by me on the sidelines, and Mixon got up all, you know, uh, you know, all huffy and such, and Christian was just like, man, sit down. Um, <laughs> he ended up with five tackles, and was just running the football, was just hitting people, but Kyler Murray is a different – oh, here's the other thing about Christian Harris. When Tyler Boyd caught that ball right before the two-minute warning and took off down the end zone, towards the end zone, DHC ran him down or had an angle on him, basically. If DHC doesn't make that tackle, Christian Harris is going to get awfully, awfully close chasing him. That's how fast Christian Harris was running to chase him down. So there's that. Now, it's Kyler Murray, the biggest, the biggest issue for the Cardinals offense. Yes, James Conner's running hard, so again – that's going to be something Christian Harris is going to have to do. Play the it's run. Been better than five, well. five, been better than five yards of carry this year. I right. Mean, he probably so hadn't they, gotten they enough. Got to, they got to slow down Connor, but they got to track Kyler Murray. They got to spy on Kyler Murray. They've got to hit Kyler Murray, and they've got to tackle and finish on Kyler Murray. And I put a lot of that on Christian Harris, and I don't know what the linebacker situation will be. We know Denzel Perryman um, is going to be suspended for three games. So, you hope to have Henry Toa Toa back, but you might have to go with Cash and Christian, and that's the two you have. Uh, and Cash has got that speed too, but he's going to be asked to do different things. Christian's going to be asked to do different things uh, at either linebacker spot. So for the Texans to walk out of here feeling good about a win, I feel like Christian Harris is going to have to be that guy that ends up making a ton of plays on Kyler Murray and James Conner. So I'm putting the linebackers in focus. But I'm going cash me for so I'm going to go with Christian Harris for this one. But he's played much better the last couple of weeks. 
You could see he's kind of more of himself against Tampa Bay. You could see even more of that against the Bengals. So I've been pretty happy with him the last couple of weeks. And I hope Christian is going to rise up and play well. Uh, he's got some confidence playing against Kyler Murray and his Cardinals offense. Good choice. Okay. We could give this, we could give this cream of the crop award probably to him every single week. You don't see it because of the position he plays stats wise, but he's very, very mm-hmm. important in this defense. I'm going to go to the guy next to Shelton Rankins, Malik Collins. Yes. Now Malik yes. works out in the offseason in Scottsdale, has his boxing gym, which I've talked about a lot. You know, I've mm-hmm. you've seen it. The the Parkinson's yep. boxing gym. It's a 12th round fit. He and trainer Marty Barrett have that going. But I think Malik is going to have a big day. And I think he's going to show up on the stat sheet as well. He showed up on Sunday against the Bengals. He was he was a pain in the ass for the for the Bengals up front. I think it's going to be the same to uh this Sunday. He's played well against the Cardinals with the Texans yes. in the past. Mm-hmm. And I think more of that is happening this Sunday when the Texans are in their battle red helmets and color rush jerseys. That's a, that's a first. So that's going to be a fact. Oh yeah. I think they're going to look good. That's the combination. I think that I've heard the most that people love. They love the red helmets, but Mm -hmm. people love, love the, the ballot, the color rush jerseys, the blue Jersey with the red numerals. That is going to look so sharp. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm more excited about that than what you just said about Malik Collins. Um, I, I, I kid, I kid. Uh, Leak has been incredible. I mean, yeah, he was incredible the other day. He took Cordell Volson and just took him to school on the second drive of the game. Like all three plays, those three plays were all a result of Malik Collins. And then Sheldon Rankins took it from there, man. It's unbelievable. Sheldon Rankins, Malik Collins, two of the baddest men in the Valley. That, uh, that was such a fun game. I mean, my goodness, being down there on the sideline. I basically, for those that don't know, I'm in the press box most of the game. You're on the sideline the whole game doing the radio stuff. I come mm-hmm. down when it's like about nine minutes to go up in the press box, I head down. And so I got down there probably around the five-minute mark. When I stepped on the field, that's when Denzel hit Jamar Chase. That's when that happened. So whatever yeah. that was time-wise. And then I kind of curl around, plop down in that, that sideline by the end zone, and I think I – counted one Mississippi two Mississippi and I looked to my right bam Shaq Griffin gets the pick and I in my mind I'm like well this game's over yeah. <laughs> and then it just went haywire and bananas yeah. So, yeah it was a fun time in Cincinnati all right Twitter question of the day John Harris okay of the next four games in which will the Texans shine the brightest I'm going to make this really simple and I'm going to be a football hardo. The next one. Hmm, how come? Because it's the next one. No, why and, are they going to shine the brightest? Well, because it's the next one, because I feel like this team is starting to kind of realize what it is and what it can be and what it can do. And the next one on the schedule is the Arizona Cardinals. And then after that, um, and here's the thing to to realize, and this is absolutely crazy to think about. But if the Texans win this game against the Cardinals, no matter what happens with the Titans-Jags, no matter what, if they beat the Cardinals Sunday, November uh, 27th, my math is correct, something, whatever, the following Sunday is for the AFC South lead at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, that is a what if I told you. (laughs) That, That would have been interesting to ask you, Drew. What if I had told you back on August 1st that the Texans would be playing the Jaguars and the winner of that would take over AFC South lead. What would you think? I, mean, I would have believed you. I would believe you. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I didn't. Now, 
I'm not going to pretend like I knew all this was going to happen, but I had very good vibes. Yes. You know, in, around the draft and moving like I just hearing what I'm hearing up upstairs. They there was a belief upstairs that things were going to be pretty darn good this season. So mm-hmm. I would have believed I would have believed that. Absolutely. Yeah. But the fact it's is, still, it's still mildly it's still mildly surprising, though. So if, if I so if I were going to pick a game, I'm just picking the next game because I feel like this is a team that each and every week. Each and every week, it feels like they're peeling back a layer of the onion. Like you think about an onion, you just keep peeling a layer back, and well, there's another layer. You peel that layer back, and you another layer. Then you peel that layer back. You're okay. Wait, out- wait, wait. What's the next layer that gets peeled back then this week? Well, I mean, look, they found a running game last week. You know that was that was kind of fun. They were able to find that. I think this week defensively, I think it's going to end up. You know, we saw a rotation at corner, which was kind of interesting. I think that rotation at corner is going to take another step forward and make it very difficult for Kyler Murray to find open receivers. I think that's going to be a part. You know, Sheldon Rankins rushing the quarterback. You know, it's been there, but I don't know if it's been all the way there. And then the guy that we mentioned, Christian Harris, I think is a guy that takes another step, which allows this defense to do a little bit more alongside Cashman, alongside Henry, to really be better in pass coverage. That, to me, is the one thing this linebacker crew has got to do a better job with, and that's coverage. Now, was something that Denzel was struggling with a little bit, and Joe Burrow's going to do that to a lot of linebackers, but I feel like this group with Cashman, Toa Toa, and Christian, they, they're going to be able to cover. They're going to be able to blitz. Now, the one thing that Denzel adds, his tackling is top-notch. I mean, he strikes, obviously, and he tackles well. Um, but that's got to be something that is then amongst those three linebackers with that speed on the field, they can then clamp down on some tight ends and not let tight ends get involved. Trey McBride is doing some good things uh, for the Cardinals and he's a problem. So I think those are some of the things that I would look at for another layer to be kind of peeled back. The, the other one offensively that I would say, Drew, is I would mind seeing a little bit more tempo to to the offense. Like, you know, the offense is moving. Let's kind of let's kind of tempo this a little bit. Let's maybe let's speed a couple of drives. I'm not saying all the time, but maybe, hey, let's speed a couple of drives up and just see if we can't catch the Cardinals slipping a little bit or trying to get substitutions in the game. And all of a sudden, bam, we hit them with a big play. So that those are those are some of the things that I think. Uh, and here's the final peel back, what I would like to see of this team. You get a 10-point lead, you get a 14-point lead, and you put the foot on the throat and you cut it off and you finish it. You don't let anybody back in games anymore. Let's get that lead and just squeeze hard. And not like, Oh, you know, like a little brother, like, Oh, we'll let him up. No, 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 no. You squeeze hard and cut it off and end it there. I like that. You get a 10 point lead, score another touchdown, play, keep playing the great defense. I like that stuff. Well, you know what else I like, John? I like what I've seen out of Noah Brown. Goodness gracious. He came back from injury over the last four games at least one 30-yard reception or longer in every one of those games. He's averaging about 23 and change per catch. He's averaging now just over 100 yards per game in that four-game span. He's been outstanding. You bring up the Devin Singletary running performance and just the run game in general, they still had explosive plays in the passing game. If you keep combining that, this team is going to go very, very far. But we're not going to talk to Noah about what's going on on the field. We're going to talk about his French bulldog named Gusto. We're going to hit some other points. Who's the funniest guy that makes him smile? Because Noah Brown's a serious dude, but I got him to smile. I think you'll hear some of these smiles. 
in this next interview that I do. So enjoy. This is me and Noah Brown doing a Drew's Dozen. Noah Brown. Yes, sir. Your first job ever was? First job ever was football. Football? No yes, other sir. jobs? No, no grocery job. store? No mowing lawns? No snow, shoveling snow? No, sir. Nothing, huh? No, sir. That's a good first job to have. Absolutely. Bless getting, her. getting paid to play. I like it. Do you have any nicknames? Um, not too many. NB, A5, but most people just call me Noah. Noah, I got gotcha. you. Mm -hmm. How did you come up with 85? Why 85 the number? 85 was given to me when I first came out of Ohio State. I wore 80 at Ohio State. I wore 21 in high school before that. So um, no significance to it, but I just stuck with it when I got it. Is the number just a number? Do you have a favorite of all those? I, w I wouldn't say I have a favorite of all of them. I, I think I've probably been wearing 85 the longest out of all of them now, so we'll stick with that. That's not a bad one to stick with. It's been working for you. What's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Brush my teeth. Yeah? Do you wake up with an alarm or do you just wake up on your own? Alarm. Yeah? Alarm. If you yeah. didn't have an alarm, when would you wake up? I'd be paying some fines. Uh, I'd be real late. <laughs> well, no, let's say it's a vacation day. You don't have to mm. be in anywhere. When, do you, when would you wake up? Probably around 9, 10. Yeah, because yeah. you've been waking up so early. You can't right. do the, uh, the sleeping in thing. Okay, that's what you do when you wake up. What's the last thing you do before you put your head on the pillow at night and go to sleep? Say a prayer. Yeah? Yes, sir. Is it the same prayer every night or is it a different one? No, just depending on how I'm feeling, what's going on. If you were not a football player right now, what would you be doing? Man, I'm not sure. Probably coaching football. Yeah? Yeah. Probably. A singular focus. When did you fall in love with the game? How, how old were you? I was probably, i say fall in love with it. Maybe senior year of high school. I actually tried to quit football my sophomore year of high school. Why? To play basketball. Basketball oh. was my main sport mostly growing up. Uh -huh. um, but yeah. You miss hoops at all? I do. Yeah. I, I still play sometimes in the off season, but um, you know, definitely better decision I made going on football. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Hey, there have been a lot of great basketball players that have played here for the Texans. DeAndre Hopkins, he played at Clemson mm. for a little bit before just turning to football full time. Bruce Ellington was a receiver. He played at South Carolina. Who else on this team currently? would uh, round out a starting five. You're on it, of course. Who are the other right. four? I'm gonna have to go George Fant, just because I know he played some, some basketball in his past. He's a big uh, guy. We'll go CJ. CJ's always talking about basketball. <laughs> After that, it's kind of it's kind of a toss-up. I just got here first offseason, haven't gotten to see anybody really move around on the court, so. Yeah. I, I got a three-on-three -three team. There you go, yeah. It's TBD, gotta get five. Okay, which would you rather, if they forced you to do this? I don't want to know where you live, but how far away do you live from the stadium, like mileage-wise? About 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Would you rather have to walk home in 105-degree heat or walk home and it's 28 degrees and snowing? Ooh, 28 degrees and snowing. All right. Is that because of the New Jersey background? A little bit, yeah. I just, uh, being, being hot is not, not, not a good thing for me. Yeah, I got you. The person, doesn't matter who it is, where they're from, but the person who makes you laugh the most is who? Probably my good friend Trayvon from back home. Oh yeah? yeah What's yeah. Trayvon do that makes you laugh? What does Trayvon do? He's just full of jokes. Hey, everything's positive, everything's a joke with him, so you know, good guy to talk to. The teammate who gets you most amped up is? Jimmy or JG. Really? Yeah. Uh, right. I say those two before the games, they always come with something powerful, getting us ready to go, getting us amped up, so I say those two. Who calms you down the most? Rob. Uh, Rob's a, a good veteran presence who, you know, if, if coaches are getting on us or he, he's always got a voice of reason and something to kind of focus you back in. So I say So Rob. Robert Woods. Mm -hmm. All right. The place you would like to travel to most? Greece. Greece. Yes. All right. Where's the uh, like most exotic place you've ever been so far? Most exotic place? Or the I favorite mean, place outside of the States you've been? Jamaica. I've only been in Jamaica and Mexico. Oh, Costa Rica as well. Uh, those are three good ones. Yeah. All right. First animal you would put in the ark, your Noah, of course, so. First animal, my dog. 
Your dog? I got a French bulldog named Gusto. Yeah, he's coming with me. <laughs> How old's Gusto? Gusto just, he's about 10 months. 10 months, 10 okay, months. so he's still a puppy. Uh-huh. All right, what does Gusto do that makes you love him the most? And what does Gusto do right now that kind of makes you get a little annoyed? I say love him the most, he's just always around me. Um, yeah. You know, just a presence, because I'm out here in Houston by myself right now, so having my daughter there is always a plus. Uh, I say, what he does get on my nerves, he'll chew up shoes sometimes, or, <laughs> you know, using the bathroom in the house, he's still a puppy. Um, yeah. So things like that. That's yeah. always, yeah, that's, that's, that's tough. What's the nicest pair of shoes he's gotten into? He chewed up a pair of Jordan 4s not too long ago. Mm. Yeah, wasn't, wasn't the best thing to come home to. Oh, man. See, I'm an old man. I'm in my 40s, and I remember when those came. I was, like, in junior high when those came mm -hmm. out, so I, I can understand how cool that is. That's tough. Who's your favorite all-time retired NFL player? Tiki Barber. Tiki Barber, how come? Mm -hmm. Growing up in Jersey, the Giants were my favorite team, and he was my favorite player on the team. So. All right, it's Go good ahead. you bring up New Jersey, because we're going to finish with this. We're putting the top five of these Jersey athletes. you got to rank them. Mm -hmm. You, you, why did I say it like that? You, <laughs> you, Carl Lewis, the sprinter, Olympian, Brian Cushing, former uh, linebacker here, Bill Parcells, he was an athlete, but he was a coach, and Tony Soprano. We're going to go in the order you said. So Carl Lewis, I believe you said Cushing after that. Yep. Bill Parcells. And then I'm going to go me, and then I'm going to go Tony Soprano. Because Tony's uncle didn't think he was a varsity right, athlete. Right, he didn't right, have the right, makings right. for varsity. Okay. Well, that's a good <laughs> ranking. Noah Brown, thank you for the time. Absolutely. Very cool, Noah Brown. He is on a roll. Thanks to him for spending some time and getting a little weird and talking a little uh, off-the-field stuff with me. Appreciate that. All right. Turn to the page now. We've talked about it earlier in the podcast, but we got to hear from our guy, Cameron Cox. He's out in Arizona in Phoenix. He's a sports anchor, really good at what he does. He's been doing that for the last decade. He is piped in and knows the Cardinals frontwards and back. He does some of their uh, weekly shows for the franchise that one of them airs after the late news on Sundays. It's kind of a breakdown show similar to our Inside the Game, which is a banger every week on ABC 13K TRK. But Cameron is also from Atascacita. So it's fun talking with him. Here is some of our conversation. Time to go behind enemy sidelines. And this is a special one because the Texans are playing the Cardinals. And we have, some might think, a double agent because Cameron Cox is a sports anchor at 12 News in Phoenix. But he's from Atascacita originally, which is just north of Houston, if you don't know H-Town geography. Cameron, it's good to be with you. First and foremost, tell us your connection to the Texans. Tell us your <laughs> thorough connection to the Arizona Cardinals? Well, the connections to the Texans is Houston is home. H-Town is, is my, my city first and foremost. We grew up, my parents grew up going to the Dome, watching the Oilers, were heartbroken when they left, never found another team. And then when the Texans came along, we did, I didn't miss a home game until I went off to college. Mm. Uh, and even then tried to come back as much as possible. Always enjoyed coming back. My mom is still a season ticket holder. Through all the down times, no matter what, no matter how mad she got, she never, ever wavered in her faith to the Texans. And so it's it's been really <laughs> cool to just to still have that connection to the team. We used to take my grandparents to the game before they passed away, just have great memories walking from the yellow lot all the way up to the upper deck. And so it's it's that that's home. That's home. Watching the Texans is home. It's always been home. And so it's cool to see them kind of rejuvenate that city because when that building is rocking, there's just nothing like it in H-Town. It's always cool to see. And then, yeah, I grew up in, I uh, was born in Sugar Land, went to Tascacita High School once they built it, graduated from there. And uh, now been out in Phoenix for the last 10 years. And so that, this has kind of been my second home 
home, home away from home in a way. We, yeah, we cover the Cardinals, you know, religiously out here, host the Cardinals show up to Sunday night football. We're with them every day this week. In fact, the coordinators are going to talk a little bit later on today. And so kind of like you guys are full go with the Texans. Man, when the Cardinals are rocking, it's the same thing here. And now that Kyler Murray's back, it just kind of rejuvenates this city in a way that it was much needed, right? And let's start right there. I mean, you look at the record on paper and you know nothing else. You zoom in, it's like, wow, well, this is an easy win. Cardinals are two and eight. They're not any good. Well, they're coming off their second win. And like you said, Murray's back. And that was just a shot of adrenaline for that franchise, wasn't it? Yeah, they needed it incredibly bad, Drew. It's just been such a tough year. They almost felt like a team that was just waiting for their quarterback to get back, waiting for things to kind of look somewhat normal. I asked Murray after the game, did that feel normal? And he said, without a doubt. Everything felt fine. Everything felt great. And even though this is a new regime and, and it's a massive turnover for the Cardinals um, from front office, from people behind the scenes, obviously a new coach, new GM. This is really a new culture way for the Cardinals. And they spent a lot of the offseason doing kind of what D'Amico did, just reestablishing things that work, investing back in people, kind of, you know, figuring out a way to have that tight locker room. It's, it's kind of worked so far. But then when the product got on the field, and you didn't have a starting quarterback, and you moved on from Colt McCoy in training camp. Then you brought in Josh Dobbs because a rookie fifth-round pick out of Houston Clayton Tune wasn't ready. It was just going to be this kind of survival mode until Kyler got back, and they were just waiting and waiting. And then they had one of the worst offenses games in team history in Cleveland. Like, I'm talking top two ever yeah. in this franchise that goes back almost 100 years, right? And so then Kyler comes back and all of a sudden you start to see that magic once again. And then for him to lead them on a game winning drive, it was like, okay, this is the quarterback that was in the MVP conversation two years ago. This is what this offense can look like now that kind of all the weapons are in place. And uh, the biggest thing that I saw is just the smiles. And you know that when a team starts winning again, you start to see the reaction from people and the belief in people. And when teams start to believe that the expectation wasn't there yet, Anything can happen. That's what happened with the Texans right now. They're believing in what D'Amico's throwing down. That's the best thing. And now that Kyler's back, you're just seeing that belief. I'm, I'm real interested to see what type of team we see on Sunday against the Texans. Yeah, you know, you look at the the box score from that Cardinals game last weekend, and you see some explosion that I, I don't know if it's been there this earlier in the season, but it was clearly there on Sunday. You get Trey McBride with a 33-yarder and another 28-yarder, and then you mix in Marquise Brown with a 28-yarder. Michael Wilson, a rookie out of Stanford, that's a guy who was a really intriguing in the, the pre-draft process, sure. intriguing pick. He was very, very highly rated by the PFF guys, and he was sort of like an outlier in that regard. Well, you see now, I guess to a degree, why he was so highly rated. He's chiming in and making some things happen, it looks like, from afar. You can inform us better on that. But it's a nice array of weapons, you think, for uh, for Kyler Murray, isn't it? Yeah, and the best part is when you looked at, like, the route chart and where guys were moving to. The mm -hmm. one complaint I had about Cliff Kingsbury oh, yeah. when he was here last year is, you know, he ran that traditional spread offense and guys are kind of set in that offense where they're going. You know, the, the, the ex receiver doesn't go on the other side because he's mainly on this, on the one on the left side in the spread offense. What drew Petzing, the offensive coordinator for the Cardinals first year play caller came over from Cleveland. Um, what he has done a really good job is mixing everything up. Murray, who I thought was going to be under center more, was still in the shotgun about 80% of the time. I thought it was going to be more 50-50, but clearly they're trying to tailor 
to what he's kind of used to doing. I think they would like to get that number closer to about 60% under center. Um, Murray did great, by the way, doing that. He's never done that really a lot in his career and uh, really called in place in the huddle. Never done that a lot in his career uh, most of the time. And so it was cool to see him adapt to this new style. But what Drew does a good job is throwing a lot at you. Like guys are just moving all over the field. Trey lines up on this side. Then the next play, he's over here. Hollywood, kind of the same thing. They don't show you a lot of the same looks twice. Uh, they don't have a problem running the same play twice, but it's usually going to hit you from a different angle. Right. You saw that with the tush push, too, as well, that everybody likes to run. All of a sudden, they take Murray out, which I thought was a great decision. They bring in Clayton Toon to kind of fall on that pile, right? Well, the first time they run that tush push, Clayton options it away. The second time, he dives in for the touchdown. And so the creativity with this offense has been really good to see, mixing it around. Trey McBride, second-year tight end, really struggled last year. I'm telling you this, he's the starter no matter when Zach Ertz gets healthy regardless. Yeah. Like, they're going to give Trey all those reps. And Michael Wilson, you brought him up. The big knock on him was he just couldn't stay healthy at Stanford. He missed like 70% of his games. Hmm. But we saw him work out at the Senior Bowl, and that guy ran routes with the best of them. Like, he was unbelievable to see him cut. And so now look at what he's been able to do. He's just healthy, and he's the receiver they thought he was early on. Hey, and he hasn't gotten the ball like a traditional running back, like a workhorse running back has, but James sure. Connors, he's been good for 5.2 yards per carry. He had a nice game yesterday when he got – or Sunday when he got the ball. What are you seeing out of Connor? He missed that, what, about a month of action yeah. with an injury, but James Connor looks to be like a solid, solid running back for you. That was the best part about this past Sunday is all of a sudden things just started to align. You got Kyler Murray back too as well. Sure, they're banged up on the offensive line. That's going to be interesting too if they're down two starters this week. Um, but they want to run the football. Yeah. They, that's like the main thing they want to do, and that's going to help set up a lot in the passing game for Murray, like all teams do, but they really want to run the football. You saw that early on in the year uh, when James was healthy. Like, it was it was a good 50-50. It wasn't quite that way this week. Like I said, they're banged up on the old line and just not able to kind of get that going. Uh, but James, before he went down with injury, he was number two in the NFL in yards per carry. I mean, there's a reason he likes to pound that rock. And so when yeah. he's out there, when he's healthy and that offensive line can move some folks, uh, that's that more balanced attack this Cardinals offense is looking for. Uh, it was good to have James back out there, too, as well. He had some hard runs. Like, you know, Drew, those runs you don't get credit for, like those three, four-yard runs that kind of right. just, you know, just set offenses up in good position. He had a lot of those throughout the game. So on the stat sheet, it's not like, oh, James didn't have the best numbers, but he had some massive runs that I thought just gave them a chance to breathe, gave them a chance to pick up some positive yards, and then allowed Murray to get that thing really going. All right, we've heard a lot of great things about the Cardinals in this short interview we've had so far, but you just brought up the offensive lineman. Is that maybe the biggest area for concern? Don't want to say weakness, but area for concern, area that the Texans might be able to exploit defensively, or is there something else that uh, might might stand out even more to you? Yeah, I, I I think so. Like, that's the – and the Texans have done a really good job, as you know, rushing the quarterback lately. You saw that against the Bengals last week. I mean, that D-line is just getting after folks. That's the, that's the concern moving forward. And that's been kind of the M.O. with Murray his entire career. Like, when he's upright – and, you know, people think Kyler likes to run a lot of the times because you see a lot of plays with his feet. Sure. I don't think Kyler gets enough credit for truly just hanging in the pocket – He'll hang there, and he'll deliver the ball downfield. He doesn't mind taking a hit. Does he like to get hit? No. I'm not sure a lot of quarterbacks like to get hit in general. Uh, but he'll hang there and take a hit. 
but the numbers, it's crazy, are drastically different. You saw that too on Sunday, this past Sunday too as well. Like when Murray has time and he's able to kind of sit in that pocket just a little bit and deliver. Doesn't be a lot of time, but just a little bit. He can deliver the ball down the field. And when he's got guys in his face and he gets pressured, the numbers, they drop off a cliff. Yeah. And uh, that's been kind of the MO his entire career is like, if he's got time, he's going to be able to deliver the ball down the field. But if not, and, and guys are just all over him and he doesn't really have any lanes to go, plus he can't find anybody downfield, like that's where he struggles. And that's where this offense struggles too as well. And that was kind of the same thing we saw this past Sunday. They could be down two starters at left tackle. DJ Humphreys, Pro Bowl guy, did not play uh, last week. Kelvin Beecham, the backup kind of swing tackle, who really was their best offensive lineman last year because they drafted Paris Johnson Jr. this year, who's yeah. playing right. Beecham is now that swing guy. He's not in the lineup anymore, but he filled in for DJ. I thought did a good job. So it's interesting to see if they'll have him at back out there again, or if they'll be down another right guard. Will Hernandez banged up too as well. The left guard has just been who's ever healthy. The next offensive line kind of been thrown in there. So it's it's definitely the concern I think moving forward is the offensive line, just because they want to run the football, and it's tough when you got guys rotating in and out. All right, defensively they're 28th in the NFL in points per game allowed. But yeah, you got the asterisk by it because on the other side of the ball, you've had guys not named Kyler Murray playing quarterback, and that changes the calculus of the entire equation for the defense. Sure. So with Murray back, what did you see helping the defense, helping the other side of the ball that you know maybe wasn't going their way through the first stretch of the season without Murray? Well, Drew, the biggest thing with the defense is they're just underfunded, and they got a lot of guys who are moving forward that – probably aren't going to be there. They need some new pieces too as well. Like mm -hmm. that's the one area that probably the new GM Monty Osford is really going to address moving forward. I think they're the lowest paid defense in the league. Mm. And it's like, it's like by a long shot. Yeah. And, uh, Obviously, you have Buda Baker back there, but you got guys, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, rookie guys starting at cornerback. Um, you got another good safety in Jalen Thompson. You know, you have experience at linebacker, but then you don't have a lot of experience. You got guys you just tried to move different places to rush the passer. Not a lot of big names rushing the passer, names that I guarantee you most fans couldn't even rattle off or even think of. <laughs> Up front on the D line has been a mixed mash of guys. They've played well, but they're extremely thin at D line. They had another D lineman get hurt last week, so it's probably going to sign another guy off the street at some point just to get after it. So they're just incredibly thin on defense. I've seen a bunch of injuries and it, that's just the case when it comes to defense. Now what Murray brings is that belief. And yeah. so he's able to put those drives together when he's able to keep that defense off the field, they can play well. They can play yeah. well. I think they can hang with Houston, but if like there's an area to attack, it's that defense. It's just because they just don't have the horses to keep up, I think. And that's something they'll address moving forward, but it's just something that they've struggled with so far. Yeah, it's something you're familiar with as a Texans fan. You go back to 2017, Deshaun Watson's rookie year. He he leaves, and that, that whole team goes off a cliff. You're at 500, maybe a game under, and he was starting to ascend, and the defense was – anyways, we're, we're veering off course. <laughs> hey, one of our favorite – he wasn't here long, but one of our favorite all-time Texans is defensive lineman Roy Lopez. Yeah. Didn't make it here this season, but now he's in Arizona. He's back home, and he's from the Phoenix area. What have you seen out of Roy? And I, I know we you don't always focus on the interior defensive lineman too much, but – he was a fan favorite around here, and he was one of our favorites as well here in the building. Man, the Lopez family have been one of my favorites for a long time. His dad, yeah. uh, Roy Lopez Sr., been a longtime Valley coach yep. here. 
coached at a bunch of different spots and we do a big high school football show. So we've known uh, Mr. Lopez for a long time. That's what I still call him too as well. It's <laughs> it, it's been great to see that fan. And I I'll call him coach when I see him. So yeah, you're, coach you're, too you're as well. To him, but I call him coach. Too as well. Um, <laughs> you know, it's crazy. I'll never forget when, when Roy played for the Texans, they played out here. Uh -huh. His family had this massive tailgate. Yep. So I had to stop by, had to see what it was about. They had about 50 people there and they partied up until kickoff and then partied after the game too as well. The family could not be nice. I remember talking with Roy uh, at his camps before the draft. He comes yep. back home every year and does a lot for kids. So it's really cool to see. And uh, saw him in the locker room, just gave him a big hug. Welcome home because it's this is home for him. And it's yeah. his family was super excited for him to get another opportunity. I really thought it would have worked out with the Texans, but sometimes the business gets in a way just is what it is. Uh, but he's fitting great with that D-line because they needed somebody. Like, they needed somebody with just his motor. You know that. That dude just doesn't kind of stop at times. And so he's been able to get after the quarterback. He's been able to make an impact. He'll get, I think, half the snaps most of the time during the game when they rotate D-linemen out. So it's been really good to see. He's fitting well because they needed somebody with his type of experience. And the best part is, as you know, towards the end of the time with his Texas, wasn't healthy. Now he's yeah. healthy. So yeah. th that, that's just a good thing. He's healthy now and he's going to get the opportunity to play. He's done a really good job. He's somebody we always wish the best for. I was interviewing him one-on-one -on -one back in September or so a year ago. And he kind of casually, this was like one of those goofy interviews I was doing. And he just sort of casually mentioned, yeah, I work out in the off season at Malik Collins's boxing gym in Arizona. Yeah. I was like, what? And what? so I happened to see Malik a few days later and I was walking over to practice with him and he, he talked about it. And as I'm, as I'm splitting to go watch and he's going to go practice, he just kind of casually says, no, oh, yeah, the best part about it is most of our, our, our people that we uh, train are Parkinson's patients. Yeah. And so I would, we went out and did that fun story and, you know, I've talked about it off camera and I know you're probably going to go out there sometime soon and talk with Marty Barrett as well, but yeah. wouldn't have happened if, if Roy hadn't let that slip and let that slide. It was awesome. So Thank you, Roy Lopez, if you're listening. I appreciate everything you do. Yeah, Roy, right. Roy is so cool. He gives a lot back to the community here, too. Oh, well. yeah, huge. And, I mean, it's like you said, he's a giant. He was a giant, uh, you know, in high school football. He was a hell of a wrestler. That's I mean, what I, People forget that. Like, he was an amazing wrestler. wrestler. Yeah. I joke with him. He should have gone to WWE. The dance moves <laughs> would have paid off better. <laughs> is, hey, there's still time. There's always <laughs> time. <laughs> All right, let's veer off. Let's uh, Let's talk about who you are, man. Okay. Favorite all-time Texans are? Ooh, favorite all-time Texans. Andre Johnson is, is I still had the very first jersey when they put it on the shelf. Nice. We team store waiting right after he was drafted. The next day, I was like, Dad, we got to go get It's white. <laughs> it's somewhat faded. It, the numbers are peeling off a little bit, but still awesome. Andre Johnson was my one of my all-time favorite Texans. Is what's, your favorite, what's your favorite Andre Johnson game? Gosh, one that comes to mind, Jacksonville, the game winner in Jackson or against Jacksonville here at home. It just seemed like he had it didn't matter. He would always find a way. And what I remember the most is anytime he scored, just watching the people and like yep. listening to the stadium. I just that echo still rings in my ear. Um, Billy Miller was one of my favorites just because that was the first touchdown. Yeah. And um I just remember looking up at my grandpa and my dad. They were so excited that football was back. And I, was, I was kind of a young kid at the time learning, and it was just cool to see. I just will never forget that moment sitting in the stadium. You thought they had just knocked the Cowboys out, and here we go. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, 
Jonathan Joseph was always one of my favorite Texans. The leadership yeah. he brought over the years. It's cool to see him be just as involved today too as well. Probably and, the greatest. He's probably the greatest free agent signing the Texans. Yeah, ever. and and man, the leadership he brought to that defense was just unbelievable to see over the years. Tamiko, I just remember him being that cool, calm guy in the middle. It was a yeah. no brainer when he was up and the Texans needed a coach. It was like that's the guy. And then to see that reaction, like when he was hired, yep. and I thought it was really cool. And I wish the Cardinals at some point would have that feeling and like have that moment because to see him get hired and then to see that wall of like other Texans show up, like that's yeah. a powerful image for any franchise. And I think fans notice that too, as well. Cause those are guys like the community is connected with over the years and to see them so excited that he was going to be there um, was just unbelievable to see. And you, there's no, it's obvious why he's having success because he started with the family and investing mm -hmm. in people and building relationships. And the D-backs manager, Tori Lavello, always talks about that. Like, we're going to build people first. We're going to build relationships, and the wins will come. Look, they just ended up in the World Series, too, as well. And that's what D'Amico's doing. Uh, and then, of course, J.J. And then when J.J. was here, it was even cooler to meet him in person. Um, that had to be weird, man. Like, for it, it, you, It was right? weird because just, like, in a, good him way, in, in a good way. Jersey, in, a, in a good way. In a good way. But there are two things that I, 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 that I really got to, in my career, do – because I thought it was important to do one. When JJ got here, we got to do the first interview with him. It was really cool. But then afterwards, I was like, hey, man, just want to let you know, thank you for everything you did for H-Town. <laughs> like that was just cool to see. Yeah. And then I get to meet uh, Bob McNair before he passed away here at the owner's meeting. He was just walking by. And I, real quick, probably, you know, his wife was with him too. This was years ago. But I just got to tell him, thank you. Hey, man, thank you for bringing football back to Houston. And so those were two cool moments where it's just like, they didn't need to hear it. They probably don't even remember hearing it, but it was just like, Hey man, what they did for our city. I don't, they can never be top because it's well, just I guarantee cool. you Bob McNair loved you saying that to him. You know, you say he, 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 I bet if you, if you'd have brought that back up to him later, he probably would have been like, I remember that, you know, he, he loved hearing that. Cause he was, that was like one of the things he was proudest of was getting football back here and yeah. again. So yeah, that that's cool that you got to do that. And, and see that tool. Yeah, it was, it was, it, yeah. those two things I'll, I'll always remember just because the impact is just incredible. The memories that, you know, we've all had it at NRG and then it's yeah. just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it all right. Well, uh, tell the folks what you got coming up this week, your Twitter handle, your, your social media, all that stuff. <laughs> Let's make it the Cameron Cox uh, hour right here. What's, what's going on with you, man? What do you have coming up? Cam Cox 12 on Twitter and Instagram, uh, Cameron Cox on Facebook, uh, this week we'll be heading out to Houston. We'll be out there yep. Saturday night, and then Sunday night we'll do all our shows uh, from NRG after the game. Um, be ready to roll. Hopefully, it, it, this is a game that I'm incredibly looking forward to. Like I really that, want to see if the Cardinals kind of can keep this going in a way. The Texans are hot, so no way am I picking the Cardinals early on in this one. Like the Texans just seem to have it rolling. Um, CJ in that office has been a, a cool surprise in the NFL, and I think people have finally taken notice of what D'Amico and his leadership can do for a team. So I think this is their first major test. Like it's it worked last week. Falcons aren't very good. The Cardinals haven't been very good up until that point. Just want to see what they can do, I think, against a good football team like the Texans. Okay, and very importantly, what are you eating while you're here? Is it homemade stuff? Are you going out? Is it a mixture of both? What's oh, going man. Well, got to stop by mom's house because mom's right. cooking is always top notch. 
And then got Papacitos. Papacitos, Mexican food in Houston doesn't compare. They think they do Mexican food well out here in Phoenix. (laughs) Not not so much. Uh, And they got to go to Shipley's. Another thing, they think they do donuts here, and they just don't. They just don't. And it's Shipley's with an S. I know there's not an S, but there's an S. (laughs) (laughs) Cameron Cox, it is awesome to be with you. Thanks so much for the time. Hope we get to hang out and and chat while you're here. But uh, you take care, and we'll see you soon, okay? Thanks, Drew. Appreciate the time, buddy. Good to talk with Cameron. Thanks so much for the time. Hope he gets that Shipley visit in and Papacitos and good home cooking with his mother. To all of you out there, we hope you are doing well, having fun, and enjoying this podcast, enjoying this awesome Texan season. I know I am. Just another friendly reminder, please subscribe to In The Lab and get this every week in your inbox because that'd make it more fun for me. All right? All right. We'll see you later. This is In The Lab.